Need a Bible? We will be in chapter 18 of Job, going chapter by chapter through the Bible. We are in the book of Job, chapter 18. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, so good, Lord, to come here, just drink in your word, Lord, every bit of it. And Father, how much there is just to learn and to take in from this man's life, Job. And Father, we want to hear from you this evening. We want to close out our weekend with a word from you, Lord. We come here this evening because we believe We believe, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. It's living and active and that you're here in the person of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We believe in your son that he he died and rose again to, to pour out a gift of understanding. Lord Jesus, right before you ascended to the throne, you said, pray to your father. Father, sanctify them with your truth your word is the truth lord we pray that we would be and believe lord even as we're in your word this evening that we would be sanctified in jesus name amen so i shared with um, a few of you an article that i read on cnn.com this week i don't particularly recommend cnn.com but I look at CNN.com about five times a day to see what's going on. And there was an article about the Hudson River plane crash. And it was just an article written that CNN was posting up there, written by a woman who was on the plane and survived the crash. And so she shared from sort of the, I think, like the beginning of her day uh, right up to the time of the crash, and it's about three pages long. This article that she wrote, and the very last sentence of the entire article, she just says, um, "She said, uh, I just want to thank God for His grace that I, I lived through this, and that's it." And when I first went into the article. I didn't read. I didn't read the article. I, for whatever reason, I, 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 my eyes went to the bottom of the page and I saw the blog. You know those blog things where there's an article. Everyone know what a blog is? Does everyone know? If you, does everyone raise your hand if you know what a blog is? Is that everyone? Okay, one guy doesn't know what a blog is. So a blog is just where they post an article online and then underneath it, everyone basically types in what they think of the article. And I'm looking, I look down at the blog and every single thing about the blog was this argument about God. And so I just figured, well, this article must be all about God. Well, actually, there was nothing in the article about God until the very last sentence where she just slips in at the second half of the sentence something about God. And I looked up and the very first... Uh, the very first entry, the very first blog or entry, it's just some person coming in, reading this article 
about all this stuff other than God. Again, God just mentioned at the very end. And, 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 and the person writes, well, where was God when every other plane crashed? And then some other person came in and said, um, this has nothing to do with God or a God. This has to do with good engineering, good, uh, uh, good pilot, and courageous people. And then there was just this just venom you know, in this, and the article wasn't even about God, but just the, the, the audacity that this person happened to mention God, and, and they just came in, and, and they just, uh, just attacked uh, th- this poor woman, and all she was doing was, you know, trying to, uh, to share what happened that day, and, and mentions God at the very end. And, you know, this morning I was in my Bible study, David crying out, uh, Lord, protect me from the wrath of my enemies. And uh, truly today, uh, in 2009, particularly in Boston, there's wrath, there is venom, there is uh, just the enemies of God. (laughs) Okay, I think you need to button the top of your shirt. Did that come from Stephanie, or she, she's not in here? Thank you. Anyone else agree with that? Okay, we have a couple here. Uh, mostly men. I was pointed out right before the service by Lisa Ann. There's only six women in this room right now. Uh, but uh, anyway, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> there's a couple more now? Uh, okay, there's a couple more. But... Uh, uh, where was I? Just the, the just the the venom in this article, and D- David um, cries out that you know protect me from the wrath of my enemies. And by the way, this this wrath, this venom that you see, it's nothing new. Go back three hundred years and and read Voltaire, and <laughs> some of the things that guy was writing. Same exact stuff, uh, but. It, it goes and fits and starts, and we're on sort of a fit right now, or a start. I don't know what you would call it. But there is a question that everyone needs to reckon with. Where is God when all those other planes crashed and no one survived? I think, actually, there was only one other plane that anyone survived uh, with uh, when a, a commercial airline uh, landed on the water and uh, not everyone survived on on that plane. Where is God when planes crash? Why do bad things um, happen to good people? Why does God allow things uh, uh, like uh, plane crashes where everyone dies? Actually, there was one this week, right? Um, why does He allow that to happen? And that is one of the subjects in the book of Job. Now, we know uh, that, uh, you know, central to the the reason why that is the case is because we live in a fallen world where sin has so corrupted life. Uh, Actually, my next teaching in the book of Hebrews on Sunday morning is is going to deal with uh, Psalm 8. The, in Hebrews, they quote Psalm 8. The writer quotes Psalm 8. He says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than angels. You have crowned him with a, a glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. 
But then the, the, the latter part of that verse says, but now we do not yet see all things under man. And meaning that glory that man was created for, it's just all been corrupted. It's been ruined, subject to ruin because of man's sin and rebellion. And a lot of the suffering that we see um, is because um, of that. And you see God being very, very good and kind to the wicked and uh, ungrateful. Jesus mentions that in the Sermon on the Mount. And you do see uh, bad things happen to people who, at least from the world's point of view, are good people. And so Job, it says, was the most righteous man in all of the East. He also happened to be the richest man and the most powerful man, the most well-known man in all of the East. And uh, Satan approached God and, and asked God, and God said to Satan, what, what have you been doing? He goes, oh, I've been going throughout all the earth. And God said, well, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, well, yeah, I've considered him. The only reason he follows you is because you've blessed him so much. And uh, so God allows uh, Satan to uh, lift up his hand against Job. Job loses his ten children, he loses all his possession, and he loses his health. Uh, And uh, he... he even, even his wife comes up to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, no, shall we accept good things from the Lord and, all, and not things that are hard from the Lord? And, and he, his righteousness really, really is revealed in many ways, that this is a man who really walked with God. He never turned his back on the Lord. However, we do see him... Uh, the, the most righteous man in the world at that time, uh, we see him uh, uh, you know, start to air things out of his heart that really revealed the depths of his sin. Even the most righteous person on the face of the earth, um, Job had just pockets of incredible ugliness uh, in his heart. And th- those have, uh, have been revealed, but he, he never, ever... Um, turns his back on God. And so the three uh, friends who knew him showed up and they uh, are trying to... At first, they uh, actually, they're with him for seven days, don't say anything. They just uh, just are there. Job is silent. They're silent. They're just being with him. So important for us to learn uh, the lesson... That is a lesson when we're comforting those who are in suffering, but then they blow it, they open up their mouths. How often we blow it by opening up our mouths. The Bible says where there are many words, their sin is present. And I know that's true in my life so oftentimes uh, when I I, I open my mouth when I shouldn't. And so uh, what you have them doing is presenting Job an argument. Now, George Bernard Shaw said this. He says, the average conversation is like a, uh, uh, is like a half a dozen uh, records or CDs, uh, we could say nowadays. You soon grow tired of them all. <laughs> That's what he said. He's a pretty cynical guy. Um, but you could say the same thing of these people who were uh, 
these three guys who were talking to Job, they just said the same thing over and over and over and over again. And the thing that they said was this, God is just, he rewards the righteous, and he punishes the wicked. Job, you are um, having all these horrible things in your life. God must be punishing you. There must be some wickedness that you uh, haven't revealed to us. Fess up. Come on, Job. And this is, they're saying this again and again and again and again. There's three of them. Uh, We're now here in chapter 18 in round two. We're uh, picking up in the middle of round two. Uh, They had already each presented their case. And here they are um, again picking it up. Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, verse one, actually verse two, how long till you put an end to your words? So he's responding to Job who uh, has been basically trying to tell him, I don't have a hidden sin. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And um, this guy Bildad is saying, how long uh, till you put an end? Do you stop talking like this? Gain understanding and afterward we will speak. Why are we counted as beasts and regarded as stupid in your sight? my daughter Faith was here, she would say, don't say stupid. It's a bad word. She's not here. Anyway, don't tell her I said that. Verse 4, you who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Or shall the rock be removed from its place? And so there in verse 4, you see uh, an appeal to natural law. Uh, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Meaning, look, there are certain natural laws. In other words, the wicked are punished, the just are rewarded. Since you're in, you're in such a miserable situation, you must be punished. What do you expect the earth to change its laws for you? Shall the earth be forsaken for you or shall the rock be removed from its place? Uh, he says, and then he lists out in the next uh, Uh, 10 verses, uh, four things that uh, this guy Bildad likens a wicked man to. Verses 5 and 6, he likens the wicked man to a light that has been snuffed out. Verses 7 through 10, a traveler who has been trapped. Verses 11 through 15, a fugitive being pursued. Verses 16 through 21, a tree rotting away, not exactly what you would call call encouragement. Encouragement is building up a person, and they are judging his heart. And so important, we've been coming back to this over and over and over again, when you see a person in suffering, unless there is some obvious evident sin on the surface, you and I have no business judging them. We don't, we don't, we don't. Because you and I just don't know what they, you know, why they may be in the circumstances uh, that they're going through. And so in verse uh, 5, the light of the wicked indeed goes out and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent and his lamp besides him is put out. And so um, the... 
message here is clear. Job, your light is about to uh, snuff out. And that's what happens to the wicked. Their light is snuffed out. And therefore, you must be wicked. The Bible does say the spirit of the, in Proverbs twenty twenty seven, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And the, so the Lord does indeed, can indeed, take away our life whenever he pleases. There is a day appointed for each and every one of our, us to die. And the Lord has appointed that day. And so often, uh, in fact, the wicked themselves uh, decide, you know, they, they become terrified of death. Uh, some of the richest men who who ever lived, one of their main uh, one one of the the, the main uh, things uh, testimonies them th- themselves that they left behind was um, how, how terrified uh, they were of death. Howard Hughes, many of you uh, heard have heard of him when I was growing up real little. He was the richest man in the world. He was Bill Tate's Bill Gates, then it was Howard Hughes, and he would hide himself and he would scrub down um, every single ut- utensil in his home uh, repeatedly, and uh, he hid out in hotels and and you know really really crazy um, uh, uh, behavior. But we can't escape death, and here it talks about. You know, you wicked. They may be. They're terrified of death, but their death is coming. Um, the Lord will, you know, will, will take them away. Uh, the implication here that uh, that person, uh, that wicked person, is Job. So false accusation, a judgment. Jesus says, "Do not judge. Judge not." <laughs> Jesus said, and that's exactly uh, what they're doing here. Verse seven: the steps of his strength are shortened and his own counsel casts him down. Meaning a a, a wicked person, uh, their life is short. Their life is short. And I think, you know, about some of the most uh, righteous, godly men who ever lived. David Brenard, who was a, Bernard, who was a, a missionary in the 1700s, who is basically an encouragement to thousands and thousands of, of, of missionaries for the last 300 years, died when he was uh, 28. I think of even in our own time, Keith Green, he's one of my heroes. My daughter Adelaide said the other day, you know, listening to him, it's like someone just recorded the guy talking to God when he didn't know. Uh, they were recording him, and that's what makes him just so fabulous, Keith Green. He died when he was 28. That's just so amazing to me. You, you, you listen to his lyrics, and you, you, you think, how could, how could that possibly be the case? Jim Elliott, who went down to um, Ecuador to reach uh, the Indians there, died when he was 24, yet the story of his life, just an encouragement to so many. Jesus Christ died when he was 33. 
So again, this is the wisdom of, of man, that, that um, if you're wicked, you're, you're, you know, if you die young, it must mean uh, that you are wicked. Verse 8, for he is cast into a net, meaning the wicked by his own feet. He walks into a snare, and the net takes him by the heel. A snare lays hold of him. A snare, a Hebrew translation is like a deep pit that you walk into. Like you see in those movies, they cover a pit with straw or whatever, and you fall down into it. Verse 10, a noose is hidden for him on the ground. Now, this is one of these nooses that you step into. It traps your ankle, and then pretty soon you're hanging upside down by a tr- from a tree. And, and uh, that's what it's referring to here, that uh, figuratively speaking, this is what happens to the wicked. Verse 11, terrors frighten him on every side and drive him to his feet. His strength is starved. Destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. So it devours patches of his skin. What do we know about Job? There were patches on his skin all over his body. He had boils. You know, I, 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 I tell you what, I, I cannot imagine what is worse. The pain that he was going through from losing all his children, all his possessions, and the pain that he was going through because of his uh, body suffering so much from health, or having to listen to this. <laughs> you know, it, and, and it so uh, brings me back constantly to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, though you have knowledge of God, if you have not love, it profits you nothing. A lot of the things that they say here, there is truth to them. I remember, remember in Leviticus, I think it's chapters 26 and 27, where there's um, a picture there that Moses gave to Israel about what would happen uh, to uh, them if they obeyed God and what would happen to them if they disobeyed God. And that picture in Leviticus is just incredibly accurate of uh, so many uh, people who, um, who, you know, who are wicked. Actually, it's Leviticus 26. And it, it so accurately describes the wicked that, you know, it just talks about how they flee um, from the sword when, and they fall down when no one's pursuing them. And how they hear the rustle of a leaf and they become terrified. And that, that's a picture of Howard Hughes. It's a picture of so many people who, wicked people, scared, terrified um, of death. But the problem here is it's, it's just not the whole picture. And so how important it is that we're slow to speak, the Bible says we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. And what they really should be doing all along with Job is loving and listening. And what we should be doing so often in counseling is quit babbling and just listen, love and listen. And so, I, man, I don't want to go through the book of Job where we're just constantly pointing at these three guys. I want um, us to, to basically allow the Holy Spirit to point at our own hearts because we have the tendency to do the same thing, just assume that we know um, everything um, about uh, a person's situation that they are in. 
Verse 16, again, speaking about the wicked, his roots are dried out below and his branch withers above. The memory of him perishes from the earth. Now remember that Job had 10 kids and all of them died. And so it's just brashly uh, telling Job, you know, all your 10 kids died and the memory of you is going to perish from earth because your name uh, is not going to be passed on. And he has no name among the renowned. He is driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. He has neither son nor posterity among his people, nor any remaining in his dwelling. Those in the west are astonished at his day, and those in the east are frightened. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him who does not know God. Incredibly... uh, presumptuous. Job responds. It's amazing that he keeps responding to these people. And I really show, it really, I think, one of the things that shows is his character, that he's willing to hang in there with these folks. If you look over in verse 21, he's like, have pity on me, have pity on me, O you my friends. For him to be vulnerable to them still and opening up his heart to them and, and and, and, and basically uh, trying to love them and receive love at this point is a, a great witness and encouragement to me. He's willing to persevere in friendship. I tell you, you know, any, any good friend I've ever had, I mean, really close friend, the friendship has been tested severely. <laughs> severely. And the difference between Christianity and everything else is that with Christ we don't walk away even when we have every single right in the world to do so we don't walk away we don't even actually we don't even have the option to walk away we can if we're disobedient but we don't even have the option and the wonderful thing about that is that is that the Lord you know, um, I think of some of the most severe tests I've had with the closest people uh, to me. And, and, and today, the friendship is so deep, it's like it, the stuff never happened. <laughs> Although I know God used it to just build me up with the, per- with the person. It, it's like the things never happened. There's just so much love there. And that, you know, he's, that he's willing uh, to be vulnerable with them uh, uh, Yeah still in the midst of all this is amazing to me but back up to verse one he he, he's pleading with them verse two how long will you torment my soul and break me in pieces with words these ten times you have reproach reproached me you are not ashamed that you have wronged me and if indeed i have erred my error remains with me if indeed you exalt yourself against me and plead my disgrace against me, know then that God has wronged me and has surrounded me with his net. Again, in verse 6, it says, know then that God has wronged me. What, if, what, what, what is one of the four or five principles that we've learned from the book of Job that has been, become so true to us as we've been going through it? When we're in great suffering, we need to be in the word of God lest we develop a wrong view of who God is. And here, Job makes that mistake saying that God has wronged him. 
But if we're, and, and that's the same thing that will happen to us if we're in a miserable, trying, long, painful circumstance in our life. If we're not in the Word of God, we're just going to develop a wrong view of God, uh, that He's not just, He's not fair, He doesn't love us. That's why it's so important when we're in seasons of trial to be in the Word of God. Verse 7, if I cry out concerning wrong, I am not heard. If I cry out aloud, there is no justice. He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass. He has set darkness in my past. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side. I am gone. My hope, he has uprooted like a tree. He has kindled his wrath against me. He counts me as... Um, one of his enemies. His troops come together and build up their road against me. Uh, they, they encamp all around my tent. He has removed my brothers far from me, and my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed, and my close friends have forgotten me. Now, some people think, I don't know if this is true, you need to make your own judgment of whether this is true. I don't want you ever believing something just because you hear it from me. Uh, some people think that th- verses 7 through 13 is, f- through 14 rather, is really a prophetical things going on and that similar to Psalm 22, which is a messianic psalm, which is a psalm uh, which contains many of the things that happened to Jesus on the cross, some people think, commentators think, this is a similar thing because it just uh, seems very, uh, uh, a lot of it seems very, very close to what happened to Jesus on the cross. Remember, Jesus said uh, that all the scriptures testified of him. Might this be one of them? Verse 7, if I cry out concerning wrong, I'm not heard. If I cry aloud, there is no justice. Remember Jesus crying on the cross, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Verse 8, he has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass. He has set darkness in my path. And so remember, during the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, when he was being crucified, uh, there was darkness. Verse 9, he has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. And so Jesus was um, a king. He was a king. Pilate said, are you king of the Jews? It, Jesus said, yes, it is as you say. His, his uh, crown was taken for him. is actually placed with a, replaced with a crown of, of thrones. Verse 10, he breaks me down on every side. He was beaten. The Bible says Jesus was uh, more than any other man. Um, his 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 visage, meaning his appearance, was marred. It was it was just uh, afflicted. My hope he has uprooted a tree. He has also kindled his wrath against me. And it's a true fact. The the wrath of God, uh, Jesus uh, received it. The wrath that was due us. For our sin, our rebellion, living as enemies of God, the Bible says. Uh, and he counted me as one of his enemies. It's just a true fact. That is what happened on the cross. Verse 12, his troops come together and build up their road against me. They encamp all around my tent. Now, this may be referring to uh, Psalm 22 says, uh, of, uh, similarly, it says the, uh, what does it say, the cows of Bashan? The bulls of Bashan surround me. And if you read on the cross, they were surrounding Jesus, wagging their heads, meaning shaking their heads 
uh, and, and, and camped around him. Verse 13, he has removed my brothers far from me. It says in the Bible that when Jesus was, erect, uh, was arrested, it says all, not some, all his disciples forsook him. Every single one of them. So might this, this be sort of a prophetical sort of foreshadowing, foreshadowing of Jesus on the cross. Tremendous suffering. And then he goes on in verse 20, 21, as I said before, have pity on me, have pity on me, oh my, you my friends. And the fact that he is still pursuing this friendship it needs to be an encouragement no, a rebuke to all of us who would give up on friends so easily if we're slighted, even backstabbed by them. We need to continue to pursue friendships and we're like Christ in, uh, the, when that happens, when we, as we do that. For the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? Verse 23, oh, that my words were written, oh, they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. Now, what's the amazing thing about this? That's exactly what happened. They were inscribed on a book and engraved uh, forever on a rock. And basically, they became a bestseller. And no other words, can it, can it be said, are more of a bestseller than the next verses. Verses 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. You know, we could have... I believe we could have worship sets. In each worship set, seven different songs for an entire month on the, using the, uh, of songs based upon these lyrics. There are so many songs entitled, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. Sam and I, on the way over here, we're listening to Handel. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. Anyone ever hear that? Handel? Oh my goodness, does that make my heart just melt. And I, you know, what happened? Did, did Stephanie Scarcella graduate? Did she go home? We need to call her and get her in here. It's an opera song, so it has to be like an opera person singing it. And then Crystal Lewis, what's, how, how's her song go? I know 
my redeemer lives. And then Hillsong, it's the one you guys have been singing. My redeemer lives. And, 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 and it's just amazing to me. The songs go on and on and on. And the song, it's like it, it, exactly what this guy says. This guy, this happened. This is the earliest event record. This is the earliest book written in the Bible. This guy lived at the time of Abraham. And he writes this, oh, that my words were written. Oh, they were inscribed on a book. They were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. And here we are in the year 2009, song after song after song. Charles Wesley has another song. Just go on the web. There's all these phenomenal songs with these as, his, as, his, as the verse. And, you know, the most amazing thing to me is that, that this was written in the most intense pain. You know, there's something that we need to learn from that. If we're willing to keep our eyes on the Lord, though we may falter as Job did, we will be able to discover the Lord in such a unique, wonderful way. Now, we've already seen earlier on the book of Job where, where Job describes the afterlife. And he has it all wrong. We've talked about this. In the Old Testament, the people then lived before Christ it had uh, uh, this strange, uh, unredeemed, you could say, view of what happened after you die. And, you, and, and you, you, they, they refer to stuff like a land of shadows or a murky place or, and things like this. And in fact, Job himself, Job himself, that was his understanding of the afterlife. But in the midst, in the depths of just incredible, painful trial... All of a sudden, what, is it, what happens? He gets fresh revelation that no one had ever received in the world up to that point. That there would be a redeemer who would die, but then he would live. And though Job himself is going to die, he would meet this redeemer face to face. You know, in, 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 you know it, it was, this is at the lowest point of his life. And, you know, the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that now we see in a mirror that's dimly lit, there's so many things that we don't understand. But one of the things, one of the reasons that we don't want to just put away pain and trials and afflictions, we don't want to immediately pop uh, uh, an antidepressant uh, pill the second we get depressed you know, the, the reason is because God may have this incredible, wonderful revelation of his heart and life that we're going to miss out on. You know, if Job had gone, had lived today and gone to a shrink, it would have taken him three minutes to get a prescription, a happy pill. So all of this never would have been experienced. And he wrote a bestseller. Can you imagine that? The guy lives 4,000 years ago. And he has a bestseller 4,000 years later. You know, all kinds of different, uh, different worship songs that was born out of his pain. And, you know, you guys have, 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 have some of you have said, 
you know, heard what I've had to say about um, uh, about antidepressant medication, there are some circumstances where it may be a- appropriate. I don't want to be legalistic about that. But let me tell you, there's an epidemic in this country. And if you ask me, it's a big scam (laughs) because the pharmaceuticals are making billions of dollars off of it. But as Christians, you just need to be careful. You know, you you may be someone uh, who needs that type of thing for a season. But be very careful trying to mask, trying to do away with an affliction, a pain, a trial that the Lord has brought on your life. Look at this revelation. You do not see this kind of revelation. Uh, uh, You don't see this kind of powerful thing, uh, you know, until... Basically, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul is saying, uh, you know, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to see him face to face. I mean, there's other glimpses, true, but here's just this such powerful thing, born in pain, and, and here 4,000 years later, we see uh, song after song after song. Wow. So I want to do something a little different now. Um, and take a break, but I'm going to come back here, and I just want to show, can you switch the lights off? I just want to show, I just want to show a, um, just a, a, a quick uh, DVD of yet another song uh, that is accompanied uh, with a film, with, with a film accompanying of it, of, and, and where did they get the, the inspiration from this? Job, in the midst of his pain. So can we have a couple you couple of guys move this out of the way who taught the sun stand in the morning and who told the ocean you can only come this
Okay, so isn't that, wasn't that wonderful? It's just so powerful. And, you know, the thing about, the thing about that, that, uh, that movie is that, again, you, you have a situation, yet again, where unbelievable pain and sorrow, I mean, you can only imagine... Uh, you can only imagine that father on the day that, that his, his son was born and just the how, you know, how difficult and tragic a day that was in his life, but yet there is um, something that that man understands about God that probably none of us here will ever understand. And that's just the wonderful thing about the Lord. And there's, 
there are things about God that, you know, obviously we have, uh, we have revelation uh, about the Lord that Job uh, didn't, uh, didn't have at the time, but yet he was able to experience something about the Lord uh, that uh, most of us never will. And so just how important it is uh, to uh, not waste uh, the day of, of, of affliction and uh, how, what an opportunity it is just to meet God and get fresh revelation from Him. I think of Abraham, who lived about at the same time of Job, on Mount Moriah, where he took his son Isaac, and it was his only son. And we, we, we went over this a while back. He's referred to as his only son. He had another son, Ishmael, but Ishmael was not the son of the promise. So God calls Isaac his only son because he was the son of the promise. He was the son through whom the seed, the Messiah, would, would come. And he, you know the story. He lifts up his hand to, uh, to, to sacrifice his, his son, and God says, no, don't do it. And God provided a ram and... He, and Abraham, through this incredibly painful experience, learned that God was Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And, and uh, you see this from Genesis to Revelation. In Revelation, uh, it, it says that... Um, Remember in chapter 1 of Revelation, John, uh, the apostle John, it is believed that he, well, he was the only apostle apparently who died a, a natural death. All the other ones were uh, killed, um, but he, was, he lived to a very old age, and um, he, was, uh, he was, tradition has it that they tried to boil him to death, and they did not succeed, and after trying to boil him to death, they just said, look, we're going to give up on this guy. And they sent him off to the island of Patmos, uh, which was a rocky island with nothing on it, just desolate. It says there, and so you can only imagine the pain. And it's like, why, Lord? I'm supposed to be one of the apostles, one of the people to, uh, that we're going to plant and start your church. Why, Lord, are we going... Uh, through, am I going through this? And it says, uh, 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 when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he turned around and what did he see? The resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ. So the point being, from Genesis Abraham to Revelation, uh, we see the same thing. The people of the Lord go through these trials. They receive fresh revelation and of the character and reality of the Lord. And so, uh, once again um, as well, when Job is willing to uh, sort of lose, uh, g- put just the reality of his circumstances on the shelf and just really consider heaven. You know, we, we studied in Second Corinthians how God is preparing us for eternity. And 
you know, the Lord, sin has so ravaged our, our priorities in our life, and we get focused on whatever, our career. We get focused on the backyard, our backyard and the garden back there. We get focused on our computer, our car, or we get focused on school or our family rather than the Lord. God in His goodness will allow us to go through seasons in our life where we get to such a low point that the only way to look is up, up towards heaven. And that's what Job did. He says, I, I'm going to meet him face to face. And, you know, it does make you long for eternity when you're in the midst of these, 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 these trials here. And so, what is success? Uh, Bildad, Zophar, Eliphaz might say it's a life free of sadness, sorrow, free from tribulation, difficulty, setbacks, sickness, death, disease, money, pros- its prosperity or its respect and wealth. Uh, but no, the definition of success is when all is said and done, when we, on that day, when we meet him face to face, will we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That is success. That is the success we as believers in Jesus Christ desire to hear our Redeemer say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You sought first the kingdom of God. And so, you know, it would be easy. You know, I thought, should I go into chapter 20 after just such an incredible... Yeah, uh, uh, revelation and wonderful, uh, uplifting uh, scripture in, in chapter 19. And uh, I decided, well, yes, I should. And we're going to go into chapter 20 and we'll just be, we won't be too much longer. But yet in chapter 20, you see, you see Job going right back into the torture of having to listen. Uh, to these guys, and the reason that one of the reasons I wanted just to continue and finish with this is because, brothers and sisters, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. That, that even you know when you're going through a trial, even when you get that fresh revelation and that fresh mountaintop experience, Satan will come right in to rob you. Do you think Satan wanted this song published? Two four thousand years later, encouraging. I in YouTube it has two two million five hundred thousand hits on that thing, and it was sent to me by an unbeliever. <laughs> sent me this thing about six months ago, and I emailed it out to to some of you folks. But um, do you think Satan wants that? Of course he doesn't, and that's why he shows up uh, in the person, not probably not literally, but as a puppet, Zophar. And he just goes right back at it. And brothers and sisters, this is how it's like. So just remember this. Remember Job. When you're in this season of affliction, even right after, you, or, or maybe you're not in a season of affliction and you have this mountaintop of experience and then just all of a sudden, just this, some zinger or multiple zinger come at you. And you're like, whoa, what is this? This is awful. Well, 
That's what spiritual warfare is. Satan prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. Verse 2, so this is Zophar. Therefore, my anxious thoughts make me answer because of the turmoil within me. I have heard the rebuke that reproaches me and the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. Do you not know this of old since man was placed on earth that the triumphing of the wicked is short? So here he goes all again having to listen to this. And this is how spiritual warfare is. It doesn't stop until we meet Jesus face to face. Verse 6, though the haughtiness mounts up to the, uh, though his, meaning the wicked's haughtiness, mounts up to heavens and his head reaches to the clouds, yet he will perish forever like his own refuse. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? He will fly away like a dream and not be found. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more. Again, referring to the wicked. Nor will his place behold him anymore. His children will seek the favor of the poor. And his hands will restore his wealth. His bones are full of youthful vigor, but will lie down with him in the dust. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, he hides it under his tongue. Though he spares it and does not forsake it, but still keeps it in his mouth, yet his food and his stomach turn sour." It becomes cobra venom within him. It swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God casts them out of his belly. He will suck the poison of cobras. The viper's tongue will slay him. He will not see the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and cream. He will restore that for which he labored and will not swallow it down from the proceeds of business. He will get no enjoyment for he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He has violently seized a house which he did not build. And so attributing Job's wealth to dishonesty here, false accusations. That's who Satan is. The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. Verse 20, because he, the wicked, knows uh, no quietness in his heart, he will not save anything he desires. Nothing is left for him to eat. Therefore, his well-being will not last. In his self-sufficiency, he will be in distress Every hand of misery will come against him when he is about to fill his stomach. God will cast him on, uh, on him the fury of his wrath. Now, it is true that God, uh, there, w- God, there will be an outpouring of fury and wrath by God. There actually has been um, on Jesus. There will be again in the time of tribulation. So there's, uh, there's just... There's just streaks of of truth that come up in everything satan accuses us with and that's why satan is such a hard it's so hard to to deal with satan is because there's always some truth in what he's saying and oftentimes when we're in a discouraging time we're, we're thinking about that one part that he said that wow it's true and 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 so that's so much more what how why we need again to be in the word of god in in seasons of affliction it says in verse 24, he will flee from the iron weapon. A bronze bow will pierce him through. Speaking to the wicked again, implying that the wicked is Job. Verse 25, it is drawn and comes out of the body. Yes, the glittering point comes out of his gall. Uh, terrors come upon him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. An unflamed fire will consume, uh, unfanned fire will uh, consume him. I shall go ill with him who is left in his, it shall go ill with him who is left in his tent. The heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth will rise up against him. The increase of his house will depart and his goods will flow away in the day of his wrath. 
This is the portion from God for a wicked man, the heritage appointed to him by God. Um, again, there's, there's truth in what he is saying here, but what's the problem? The problem is truth is being directed to the wrong person in the wrong way. And this is what spiritual warfare is like. There, will, there are times where, you know, there's such victory and joy in our life, and that's just when Satan's going to come in uh, really heavy-handed heavy so, uh, so often. That's why there's just so much in the Bible that, uh, about persevering, persevering with the Lord. One of the prayers that I pray for myself and for you all um, a lot is Colossians chapter 1 where Paul prays for the church in Colossus. And he says, uh, uh, he prays to God for them. He prays that, I pray that you would be strengthened all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So speaking of that um, long-suffering, that long-suffering that um, is needed uh, in the body of Christ, in the Christian life. And um, uh, this is uh, constantly um, a, a prayer that you see for, you know, throughout uh, Paul's letters. He's just praying for uh, perseverance, perseverance, uh, perseverance uh, f- um, for, the, for the body of Christ. And so uh, we'll close now and just... Uh, just reflecting on just the, 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 the wonderful plan of God that he has for our life. Man, some of you here tonight may be in a season of affliction. Be encouraged. It is during this time that, um, that God will reveal himself to you the most. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you so much uh, for your grace and mercy. Uh, thank you for showing it to us, Lord, uh, every uh, time we open your word, there's just so much there, Lord, and we just thank you for that. And Father, I, we want to know you more. We want that fresh revelation. And I just thank you for just the example of Job and so many like him, Lord, who uh, we today, 4,000 years later, just being so blessed because of the revelation that he, uh, he received. And Lord, we, we as, a, as, as just a family now, just say to you that we know that you live and that we will, uh, st- that you uh, will stand on these, the earth in the latter day and we will see you uh, face to face, Lord. We long for that day, Lord Jesus. Please come, Maranatha. Please come, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay.